40. This is the one, folks. We are 40 episodes in, and we are in the series that shall not be named. We're, we're talking about Harry Potter and the Goblet of Fire today, the fourth installment in the eight-part uh, Harry Potter but the 10-part series that we're doing because we're getting fantastic with those beasts as well as getting hairy with the Potter. This is it, folks. This is Goblet of Fire. Yeah. <laughs> it's not really this is it. There's plenty more movies to go. This is us. This is us, um, which is a series of movies. Uh, it's a series of TV show. It's a series okay. of TV show. I was tra- yeah. trying to turn off the click because I was very confused because this was peaking. And I was like, but none of us are peaking. Why does it say that? So we're all good. Um, the year is 2005. A movie hits theaters November, November 6th. Wow, right after November 5th. Remember, remember. Oh, yeah. We were remembering, and then bam, this movie came out the next day. And it's Harry Potter and the Goblet of Fire. Well, tell me how well it did. Just jump into that right out of the gate. Okay. Well, domestically, the movie makes $290 million, $13,000, and $36. Worldwide, it makes $895 million, $921,000, and $36. What's the budget? $150 million. Dang, what a profit. It is kind of nuts that these movies, like... So, so far, these first four have all stayed around. It was like 130, 100, 130, and 150. Yeah. Yeah. They're not really making large leaps. Um, but they are getting bigger. Yeah. You know? But, I mean, this one looks the worst of the first four. So Yeah. And it has the biggest budget, so the budget doesn't always do huh. it for you. It doesn't look bad, though, I don't think. It just, no, it just... Well, we were watching a DVD, a like, eh. so I think that that was part of it, yes. watching a DVD and not Blu-ray. Totally. So I think that that takes a lot of the contrast out of it, because there just was, like, no true black. Yeah. Like, throughout the movie. And I think that's a DVD issue. I hope it's a DVD issue. Yeah, and you're really letting them in, because sometimes, folks, this isn't an unlimited budgeted show. If we... Lived in a world where we had, I don't know, maybe even like 20 patrons, then we could probably guarantee that we do Blu-ray or highest quality. But we can't always guarantee that, folks. So you got to tell your friends to get on patreon.com slash Micah McCaw, support the podcast, support the music, and come to my release show, which is going to be March 13th, where Imbalances is going to come out. You can get some of my artwork there. You can get artwork it's all there. It's there. Not folks. only on the Patreon, but at the show. At the show, yes, because we're gonna have um buttons. We're gonna have little skull buttons that will be sent to patrons. Patrons are gonna get the buttons. But if you're just a listener and you're still waiting to pull the trigger on the Patreon, um, we are not gonna like like you can come to the show and get these buttons. And there will probably be postcards. Yeah, maybe, maybe, maybe. Um. I, I shouldn't look at you like that. That's just up but to just, you. We as as done, long as we you get it done, then it's there'll be postcards. Done. There we go. Okay. Um. Here's something. Should we do? I I want because the um. I was gonna say Olympics. The Olympics to me are coming up. The Oscars. Should we do like a like a bonus Patreon only episode? Sure. About the Oscars. Should we do it pre or post? Like, should we talk about what happened at the Oscars and be like, this is what we think about it, or, or should we do? A pre, like, this is who I want to win, this is who should have won. Let's do pre. Do pre. Because I think that by the time they're over and how disappointed I'm probably going to be, (laughs) Yeah, I just don't want to talk about it. And we'll just make it a quick, it'll be a fast episode. We'll try and make it like a 
somewhere in the like 20 to 30 minute range yeah. maybe so that's going to be our first patreon only episode so if you don't have patreon you're not going to get the episode whoops uh-oh that's called incentive baby <laughs> um okay so back into the movie this one is directed by mike newell so he is now the um, Donnie Brasco. third director to jump into this series. Yeah. Three of four total yeah. in the entire series because David Yates is this this on out. Yeah. And he does a fantastic piece too. So, um, but uh, Mike Newell, yes, he did Four Weddings and a Funeral, Donnie Brasco, a bunch of adventures of young Indiana Jones, like TV movies and TV show. Never even heard of it. Who's Who plays Indy? I don't know. I didn't really look oh. it up. I just remember that movie, those like um, m- like movies that they made and TV shows and stuff. I have like a pretty vivid remembering of going to Blockbuster and seeing them and like always wondering if I should pull the trigger on those. Let's just look it up. What's it called? Uh, the Adventures of Young Indiana Jones. Because if you listen to this podcast, you know I'm a bit of a completionist. I've gotten much better at it because... I, for example, like Marvel, I've watched all the movies, but I'm not willing to jump into the TV shows. Um, I might into the Disney Plus shows, but not on, um, I just am not ready to jump into Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. or Agent Carter or Peggy Carter or whatever, um, because they don't look that great to me. So I've gotten better at that. as part of. Yeah, they produced it. um, And um, I I just moved that because you you weren't uh, directly into the mic. But, um, yeah, anyway, when I was at Blockbuster, I would always look at that, and that was when I was even more OCD, and it was like, do I need to have watched this so I know the complete adventures of Indiana Jones? But I never pulled the trigger. I never did. That would have been 17 episodes. 17, oh, I could have done that. Um, okay, I'm going to keep going, though. Are you with me, or are you against me? I'm with you. Okay, so then uh, he also directed a movie called Harry Potter and the Goblet of Fire, and you want to know what he directed right after that movie? It has one of your fa- Okay, let's see if you can guess it. It has your favorite actor in it. We've done Who's a whole episode actor? where we talked about him for about 45 minutes, <laughs> and then we talked about Spider-Man. Jake barely. Gyllenhaal? It's got Jake Gyllenhaal in it. Uh, infamously bad movie that he stars in. Oh, Bubble Boy? No. Oh. This is after Harry Potter. So this is kind of like... Uh, if you're looking at his career, this is probably is it like a his funny last movie. This is probably like his last like bad movie, uh, quote unquote. Is it a quote unquote funny movie? No, no, it's an adventure movie. Adventure. Yeah. Have I seen it? No, it's based on a video game. Have I ever heard of it? Oh, you've heard of it. We we bring it up actually more than you would think. You and I like we'll just joke about it. It would probably be a great bad movie night. It's about um. It, it takes place, I think, in the Middle East. Oh, Prince of Persia. Yep. Oh, he did Prince of Persia. Yeah, he directed. I've that seen movie. that movie. Oh, you have seen it? Yeah. Oh, I didn't know. I got that. a fight. I, I got into an argument with Cassie because we did this thing where we called dibs on guys, and mine was <laughs> Christian Bale. Uh-huh. Surprise. Yeah. And saw that movie, and I was like, Oh my gosh, that's my guy. That's got to be my new guy. And but she had already called dibs, oh, and I was like, yeah. I'll give you Christian Bale for him. Yeah. Christian Bale. Yeah, you gave up. I don't know if I got him. Yeah. But I was getting a little mad about it. Well, Cassie, hopefully you're listening. I think she, has she listened to a couple? I think her sister does. Okay, well, um, find out if uh, she ever gave up Jake Gyllenhaal. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, so composer is Patrick Doyle. And you had said when we saw the name, I remember you, you said. 
Haven't we um, covered him? Haven't we covered him? And the answer is yes. He's a frequent collaborator with Kenneth Branagh, and he did Thor and Murder on the Orient Express and Cinderella, the Kenneth Branagh movie. He had a Danny Elfman vibe in this movie. He very much did. I, if I had to like blind blindfold my eyes, I don't know how that has to do with the music. I'd still hear the music. <laughs> I just, without knowing it, I would have guessed that Danny Elfman did this score for this movie. Yeah. Um, and then uh, he also did Brave, so that's cool. Um, and then Roger Pratt we ha- is the cinematographer, and we've covered him, too, just two episodes ago. He did the cinematography for, so far, the best Harry Potter movie, Chamber of Secrets. And then uh, this movie was nominated for Art Direction. It did not win. And then it was produced by Warner Brothers and Heyday Films. This is the first time that we no, don't have Chris Columbus. Columbus. Um, Christopher Columbus. Yeah, Chris Columbus uh, producing. And it's distributed by Warner Brothers. And now let's jump into the notes that I have collected. Just as uh, a Death Eater collects the blood of Harry Potter to bring back Voldemort, even though, well, he's not a Death Eater. Caught myself. Who? Uh, Peter Pettigrew. He is. Oh, he is a Death Eater? He had the thing on his arm. Wait, what is a Death Eater then? Again, I we'll, can't, I'm we'll so confused. Get to, we'll get to Oh, no, it. they're just like the clan that wants to bring him back, right? Yes, they're his followers, okay. his supporters. Okay. They're the yeah. Nazis. Yeah. <laughs> I know. Anything evil in fantasy, Nazis. Uh, okay. So Quaron didn't direct this movie because he didn't feel comfortable with the schedule lining up with um finishing azkaban and starting the production of this movie oh like giving enough attention to pre-production so he didn't do it um and then i guess that uh david Heyman, the producer of all of these movies was like hey um let's get a hold of mike newell who he had actually offered the first movie to originally oh wow he was well he was one of several but i think he may have been like the first guy yeah um and then uh, Cloves, the screenwriter, which I didn't, I don't think I wrote down because he r- yeah. wrote all of yeah. the movies. He um, originally, like, as they were getting ready to do the movie, he just kept being like, this is a two, this is going to have to be two movies because he's reading the book. But he could not, like, crack um, splitting it into two where it, like, emotionally made sense. So oh, he like, was just like, the, not going to do it. Like, you probably know this too, even though you haven't read it, but like first three books, they do get a little bit bigger than the other, a little bit. This book is ginormous. It's like 636 compared I think. to the other yeah. books. And yeah. then they only get bigger from here. Totally. Um, yeah. So he didn't, he was a little concerned about the, that aspect of it. And then, um, just so that we have a timeline here, when they began filming, which they began filming in 2004, um, the order of the Phoenix had been released and then by the time this movie comes out, Half Blood Prince will have been released. So that's where we're at. I think by the time they make the next movie, I'm pretty sure that's all All the books are out. Hmm. Okay. By the time the next one. But I'll double check that. And then um, as we've done on each of these, we have the Roger Ebert corner. So he gave this movie three and a half stars. So none of them he's given less than three and a half. Pretty good. I thought he gave the last one three. Uh, no, it's three and a half out of four. Okay. Yeah. Um. And he said this, with this fourth film, the Harry Potter saga demonstrates more than ever the resiliency of J.K. Rowling's original invention. Her novels have created a world that can expand indefinitely and produce new characters without limit. That there are schools like Hogwarts and other countries comes as news and offers many possibilities. The only barrier to this series lasting forever is Harry's inexorably advancing age. 
The thoughts of him returning to Hogwarts for old boys day is too depressing to contemplate. Yeah. Word. Which is sort of funny because people uh, talk about how bad the cursed child is, and that's about Harry Potter when he's older. Yeah. So he had a point there, I think. Um, and then I am so excited to share this with you. I'm sure you looked it up at some point, but this is an oh man moment. This okay. is crazy. Prove it. There is a band in the movie. Did you, did you get what the band's name is called? The Weird Sisters. Yeah. And there is a band. They're in, not Twisted Sister, is it? <laughs> the, no. There's a band in Canada called the Weird Sisters. Like they were like a rock band. And pre they, pre this. Yeah, they sued the movie before it came out because uh-huh. they heard about it or uh-huh. something. I don't know if it had something to do maybe more with the book. Um, I don't know if they're specified in the book as that. But there's uh, a name. I'm. I don't know why they would change it. Yeah. So it probably it, is. Kind of funny though because they sued the movie and they tried to prevent it from being released. Um, because they were like, people are going to think we named ourselves after this movie, yeah, yeah, but yeah. we came out before that. Yeah. And it sounds like everything I read, the court was just like, uh, no, this is kind of stupid. Like, no, uh, sorry, you hmm. don't have anything. And then I think they wound up settling out of court, Yeah, but it looked like they, like the band was like fined for like suing, you know, you know, yeah, like, yeah, they, yeah, like yeah. they totally lost, yeah. which kind of cracks me up. Yeah. But the members of... The Weird Sisters are four very, very famous people. I'm not as familiar with two of them. Collectively or separately? Um, you know what I mean? You'll like, see. You'll see. Okay. So two of the members are um, members of a band called Pulp, uh, Jarvis Cocker and Steve Mackey. And then two of them are members of arguably the greatest band ever, the Beatles. No. Uh, <laughs> 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 uh, it's John McCartney and uh, Paul Lennon. Oh my gosh. <laughs> no, it is Radiohead's Johnny Greenwood and Phil Selway. And when I'm you, assuming Phil's from Radiohead. Yeah, he's the drummer. Okay. And when you look at the picture, you can totally see that that's Johnny Greenwood. I'm kind of surprised we didn't catch that. I'm not super familiar with how he looks. That is bonkers, so, buddy. That's crazy. Isn't that awesome? I just am kind of shocked that. Did you know, so wait? Radio so wait. Like you so didn't have to go to Radiohead's new public library to find this out. Wouldn't that be hilarious if this was your first use of the Radiohead yeah. public library? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Which <laughs> like came today, out today. You were like, yeah. you were like, oh, let's just peruse this and see what's going on, and that's what you found. Yeah, that'd be crazy. Uh, crazy still though. Wow. Yeah. yeah. So that, I mean, how random? Why? I, I mean, well, you'd think they think, I mean, I don't know if Pulp, what, I don't know who Pulp is, uh, uh, forgive me for that, people, but um, I think that it, it makes sense that they would just choose, like, famous uh, British rock people. That makes sense, but I'm also thinking, like, could they have saved money yeah. not doing that, and because they're wearing makeup anyway? Sure, sure. I mean, that the, people are like, no, you got to do the real thing. It's so much better, which it's like, yeah, it is better. Well, that I mean, that's why this movie went from a $130 million budget to a $150. <laughs> that's crazy. They paid no. them $10, $10 million. <laughs> they, they each got paid five. <laughs> wow. Um, didn't know that. Didn't, so I guess I just didn't know that. Yeah. So I kind of, um, I guess I did kind of the That's your part- one thing for this entire series. That's your nugget of truth. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, now you take it away with the cast of the movie are you ready we're gonna start with victor crumb from Dermstrag that competes in the goblet of fire it is stanislav yanevsky not bad um he is from bulgaria he gets buffer 
as he ages. He was also around 20 when this movie came out, which means he was probably 19 or 18 when uh, they were filming. Uh-huh. And we looked up Emma Watson was probably 13 or 14. Yeah. When they were filming. So not that weird, but but we were he just looks so old. We're like, what if this was a 30-year-old man? Yeah, it's it's he does to me he looks like he's about 30 32. Um and then as the mo- once we're at the end of the movie, he finally looks kind of like a kid. For some reason he gets less and less on his age. But then when the you look at his on, IMDb but- picture, it's like, oh, he did have more growing to do. <laughs> yeah. He's he got looks- big arms. <laughs> yeah, he's a big boy. I know I didn't mention any other movie he is in. <laughs> I don't think this guy speaks English, so okay. therefore I don't think he looks like he's in things that are foreign. Okay. The one, if you think about it, I'm pretty sure he only had one line in that whole movie when they're in the tent at the uh-huh. beginning of the first one. He's like, you could not be in here. This is for the contestants or whatever he says. And it's like, wow, <laughs> I don't think he's making that accent up. That's a real, yeah. really thick accent. Um, so here there's him. And then... Sorry, I'm just, I'm just scrolling. Oh, yeah. So we have Roger Lloyd Pack, who plays Barty Crouch, the guy with the Hitler mustache. Oh, sure. Um, he is in Tinker Tailor Soldier Spy. Wait, he's not the dad in Inception, is he? No. He's not? No. Are you sure? Yeah, I'm sure. Okay. Yeah. Um, I don't know. What, I don't. I forget what that guy's name is, but it's not this guy. Okay. Um, he is in Law and Order United Kingdom. They have, wait, what? <laughs> yeah. Wait, stop the presses. They have a law and order United Kingdom? From 2009 Kingdom? to 2014. I guess no. the UK was like enough is enough. Okay, keep talking. I have to look up everything about this. No, do it later, Mike. No, I just need to know how many law and orders there are now because I didn't know they went to international borders. Okay, well, yeah, he's in that. And then um, a lot of British productions... And some, like, Doctor Who. And then... Sorry, my phone is being a little weird. Okay. Then we have Katie Leung, who plays Cho Chang. Okay. Uh, She is in, I believe, all the Harry Potter movies henceforth from this one. Um, She's also... That show is adorable looking. <gasps> she plays a voice acting in this thing. It looks really cute. Does a lot of TV stuff. She was in The Foreigner with Jackie Chan. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. We need to watch that. Um, Yeah, we do. And same, similar things. British stuff. Actually looks like Harry Potter was her first role. Oh, okay. Did you look up at how many girls auditioned for that role? No. Okay. Well, we'll look it up and get back to you on the next ep. Because I have re- I've heard before that hundreds of girls auditioned for this role because they knew they would get to kiss Harry. Okay. I'm looking it up. You keep going. And then... We have, sorry, sorry, Clemence Possy, and I'm pronouncing it incorrectly because she is definitely French. Um, she plays Fleur de Cleur. Uh, she is in, in Burgess with Colin Firth. Okay. Don't remember her in that movie. Um, she's in Final Portrait, which a movie wasn't... I don't know how to find that fact. I heard that movie was good. Um I think it's, we can just look that up in the trivia. I bet it's that's where oh, I found okay. it. Um, I just don't trust IMDb trivia anymore. She's in 127 hours. Oh, okay. She's probably one of their hiker friends. Yeah, that is about it. I mean, she's in a lot of who French is, who stuff. Is, who are you talking about again? Fleur de Clore. That was the... Uh, the girl contestant. Yeah, okay. And then we have Predrag Bajelak, who plays Igor Karkarov. 
Okay. Who was from Yugoslavia. That is an intense looking dude. He's in Chronicles of Narnia, Prince Caspian style, and <laughs> other stuff. <laughs> I'm just hitting the highlights, people. There's too many people. Yeah. Okay. Now let's go back to the top two. David Tennant. Woo. Uh, as most people know, as one of the doctors. He's also the bad guy in Jessica. Wait, who? Doctor Who. Oh. <laughs> yeah, gotcha. Um, also plays the bad guy in Jessica Jones. Probably the best part of that whole show. He's wonderful. Yeah, the first season he is um, what is what you can refer to as Purple Man, and he is incredible. Kilgrave is also his name. Um, he is in also Good Omens, which if anyone who listens to this podcast watches this show, I would be interested to know if it's good or not. It's got a great cast. Francis yeah. McDormand's in it. Francis, they got they got the McD and John Hamm. Oh, okay. Don't tell me. I'll watch it. <laughs> <laughs> um. He is also in so many things because it's David Tennant. He's in How to Train Your Dragon, The Hidden World, Mary Queen of Scots, Bad Samaritan. What is this before or after he was the Ho- Doctor after. Who? The Goblet of Fire. Oh, that's a good question. Okay, let's see. Okay, Goblet of Fire is 2005. Mm-hmm. I know. I told you all the dates about it. How do you look that up? Um, why don't I do it and you can keep, keep going. Okay, that's a, that's a hard one to look up. It's so easy. I got it. Okay. And then save the best for last, Robert Pattinson, who plays yeah. Cedric Diggory. Okay. And, uh, here's, here's a little hint for folks. Okay. No, don't do that. It's way okay. too big. Okay. I won't do um, that. So Robert Pattinson, he's pretty young in this movie. This is his third role acting role. So he, that's crazy. I didn't he know became that. a doctor in 2005 as well. No, he got his MD in who? Good for him. <laughs> in who? Who? Okay. Um, who's on first? Whoville. Okay. So his first thing ever is Vanity Fair starring Reese Witherspoon. Yo. Ooh, let's skip that one. This does not look good. Does not look like a good production at all. Just Gross. get him to oh, that Goblet. Just get him to Goblet. Ugh. Don't go past. Um, and then he's in Curse of the Ring in 2004. Is that like part of the Ring series? Does, does it look like mean? or like the ring being the 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 scary the, movie? Yeah. No, this is like uh fantasy. Oh, high okay. fantasy. Oh, wow. And then no, that 2005 Harry Potter and the Goblet of Fire. That's his third movie? Yeah. There's nothing else? No. Whoa. And he's wow. even uncredited in Vanity Fair. How can he uncredit a face like that? Um, <laughs> wow, <laughs> how can you okay. uncredit hair like that? Um So I'm not going to go past that. Okay, cool. Because I'm sure we'll cover him in other series. So it's just yeah. like, save, save well, him. He, and he's, I mean, since he's going to be the new Batman, whenever we do DC, yeah. we'll so definitely the, the have to cover him. The thing is with us spending like 40 minutes on Jake Gyllenhaal, that guy's not in very many franchises, if yeah. any, maybe. Yeah, true. So you have to spend 40 minutes on him if you know that's all you're going to get. True. That's what she said. Um, <laughs> <laughs> oh, get out of here. Okay. It's so not that kind of show. Jump into the movie. Okay, um, why don't you tell us how it starts? It begins with an old man in the dark uh, putting some tea kettle on a hot, on a stove. And he looks out the window and sees this mansion. There's a light on it. And he's like, oh, meddling kids. And he goes, has to walk all the way up to this house, see who's inside messing around in this house that no one's supposed to be in. And, and he this hears, snake has gone up there the whole way as he well. He hears voices and... 
um sorry burping <laughs> shocker um hears voices he kind of peeks through an open doorway he sees a man two men standing talking to another man sitting in a chair uh-huh. and the genie the snake uh slithers past him and then he's like, got a nice reaction to that snake when it's yeah. when he sees it he's doing a good job of like i'm trying to be quiet but i'm also so scared that a snake just went by me <laughs> yeah a very large See, this snake. is why i think the dvd probably was pretty bad for uh-huh. us because it, it was supposed to be only his flashlight lighting it and the stuff that was in complete darkness looked blue and not great and i just want to know if that is oh, the dvd I- I don't. I think that was probably what it was. Oh, yeah. doesn't look great. But no, it, it, it didn't look like the hallway in Azkaban when yeah. like him and uh, yeah. Snape are talking, and it's just like their light, and then it's yeah. black around them. It definitely wasn't that. It, I think that though, like regardless of however the scene looks, it like it is supposed to feel a little like confusing, disorienting. Yeah. Because Harry wakes up, and it was a dream that he had. And here's something that's very nice: no privet drive or pivot drive, privet drive. Um, no, he's in the Weasley's house. Yeah, he's at the Weasley's, and and this whole beginning the sequence, it's kind of cool that in this movie it begins with Voldemort. I mean, he who shall not be named, and then it ends um, like the conclusion is more about he who shall not be named until it's like the you know the epilogue kind of thing. Yeah. So it kind of is um, it's kind of setting you up for the return, which well, is plus very the, cool. the first thing you see is the gravestone. Yeah. And it's just it's like a Grim Reaper. I mean, it, it just looks cool. But yeah. it's actually foreshadowing yeah. the climax of the movie. Oh, yeah, yeah, totally. Um, yeah, so they he, they wake up. Hermione wakes Ron and Harry well, and, up. And I just want to say the the little he who shall not be named baby is pretty weird looking. Mm-hmm. And I like that a lot. Mm-hmm. I like how it looks. Very cool. You see going. him in other movies, too. So we The baby? The little gross thing, yeah. Wait, are you serious? Yeah, you see him an- another time. <gasps> oh, and it's, I can't it's really wait. gross, Micah. Good. I can't wait. Um. Okay, so they're being whisked away. Harry's being whisked away by the Weasleys and Hermione, and they're like, where are we going? It's so early. I'm a teenager, and I need sleep. And they run into the Diggories, Cedric and Amos Diggory. Yeah. Um, and they are taken to a boot on top of a hill, and you find out it's a port key. And when everyone ha- grabs onto it, you are transported to another area. Yeah. So they're trans. So this is like... I, the- I love the hilarious, like... The the Diggories and the the like older Weasleys are so goofy when it, when everyone like just falls into the grass and then they like are walking on They're the like, air. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so they are go to like the World Cup of Quidditch. The and that's Olympics our podcast. <laughs> Thank you for listening. Um, they do they they present one of the coolest magical things that I just wish with every fiber of my being was real. Yeah. When they go into the tent and this tiny little tent and it's just like rooms of a tent and it's all beautifully decorated and like there's a full kitchen in there yes and i want to make a small little thing about this that's this made me think uh harry potter Mm. the series that's what we're talking about what i love uh, one one like detail of the series that i really really love um that when it's not done as much i I think I shy a little bit away from, but I love the simplicity magic. Mm -hmm. And so things like the tent, that is kind of like a highlight of like magical. That's probably like the highlight of the magical things that happen in this movie. Cause it's so simple and it's it's so ordinary everyday kind of thing. Whereas like a lot of the other magic, I can't even really think of too much of like the wonder of magic Mm. in this movie. Okay. Um, it's more like action based and I understand that. Yeah. 
but um that's why i like chamber so much is it's like it's like very simple things are happening and and it's it makes you steven spielberg like oh i i'm in awe of what's happening yeah and this is one of those little moments where you're like what yeah there's a tent in here like well i, I like a house in the tent basically yeah. anyway that's what i wanted to say yeah no i agree with you 100 percent about everything you said and that's why i think my pitch for the the tv series when we get to fantastic beasts is a better is a better but pitch. we're not going to talk about that right now but not yet so they go to the quidditch match and it is um i think it's bulgaria against ireland okay bulgaria or a different country that starts with a b that's in eastern europe okay um and you we were introduced to Victor Crumb, who is like the, the best seeker in the world. And then you see that the Weasleys, including Harry and Hermione, are all in the nosebleeds because they're poor. But still, it's like, what a cool thing. Like, they don't see it that way until they run into the Malfoys, who are yeah. invited to the, the box where the Minister of Magic has invited them. Um, another cool thing that might go into that wonder part of it is how they project their voice by touching oh, yeah, their yeah, wand yeah. to their throat. And that's it. Mm-hmm. I love that touch. Um and just really appreciative that they did not show the game. Yeah, which I read that that was part of a timing to sort of thing. That cool. They just that had makes to, so much sense. But they had, I think they filmed some stuff. Yeah. And then they had to. Well, it cut makes it. sense to to just do it, just to have it. Yeah. That way you have it. Um. Yeah. So then it just cuts right back to them at the tent. They're having such a grand old time. And then they're freaking attacked. out. And then yeah, they start hearing some screaming and shouting and uh, outside, and you see that basically a terrorist attack is going on. Yeah. And Mr. Weasley tells Fred and George that Ginny is your responsibility. Harry, Ron, and Hermione, everyone get to the forest. I think that's what he says. Or just get away from here. And he goes and probably to fight. And Harry quickly gets separated. Yeah. And And he sees David Tennant walking around in like the shattered ruins. And then we meet like the, the the magic people who are like hunting like they're like detectives basically mm-hmm. um they're like ministry people yeah i mean i'm sure there's some horrors which this is the movie when we were first interested introduced into what an horror is yes which is uh someone who it, it's like a detective investigating dark magic and yeah. cracks down on dark magic so horrors like actively seek out death eaters okay. especially since they are back because you see that they put a Death Eater call up in the sky, and that's like, they're back. Kind oh, of okay, okay. And that's what an Auror does, and that's what you find out later on when we're introduced to Mad-Eye Moody. He was an Auror, and that's why he's so messed up, because of all the stuff he's seen and been through. Like a detective. So, okay, okay. Um, and then this, I can't remember if it's this movie or maybe the next one, when I'm, I know for sure the next book, they really get into how tests are important to place what kind of job you'll probably get when you graduate. What is this divergent? Yeah. Um, and Harry and Ron aspire to be aurors. Oh, okay. Um, and then, yeah. So you find out like, Oh, okay. Those are death eaters. You, you guys are all safe. And then they go to school, right? Yeah. And, and, and then at school, we're like, int- basically to not cover every detail yeah. as is the battle on these movies. We're introduced to like um, different schools. One being a girl school, where Ron uh, looks at their butts and goes, "Bloody hell!" <laughs> uh, and then one being um, like a tough guy school. Yeah. And then we're introduced to, hey, there's this uh, the Tri Wizard tournament, and you put your name in. You got to be over eighteen, and it'll choose you. And that's like a binding magic contract. 
And it, and if you win, you will have eternal glory, mm-hmm. which sets up um, basically throughout this movie. I'm just going to go out of time now. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about Ron and Harry. Because like their relationship? This is a problem. And this is like the worst part of the movie, for sure. Okay, I don't think it's a bad part. I think that it's character development explored. Because um, you have a, you have seven books, and you can't tell me that the whole time that their friendship is going to be like hunky-dory. No. And I think that... And I'm just making my argument. Okay, okay. I'm not like attacking you or anything. Yes. But... Well, then why does it feel like this? <laughs> <laughs> I, I think that they establish especially in this movie early on that like they're boys now. And I mean, they're kind of typical boys. They want fame. They want to be popular. They want to be well liked and they want to be cool in terms of like, yeah. And so this tri wizard thing, they're both like, man, it'd be so cool if we could do that. But they're both like 14, 14. Uh And as we know, Harry gets chosen. Um, Someone put his name into it. And it's a binding contract and he has to compete. Even though it was not his choice and he did not put his name in it, that makes Ron mad because Ron yeah. thinks that Harry figured out a way to do it and didn't tell him or any of that stuff. And I think it's just classic immature jealousy. Yeah. They're 14. Of course he's going to get mad at him and they're not going to communicate at all because they're 14-year-old boys and there's like no parental supervision there. So it's just going to happen. And they wrap it up within like 15 minutes. It's more like a half hour. Okay, that's not that long. <laughs> no, no, and I do appreciate that it's not that long. I think, um, and I don't know if this is the movie or the book, I just think it, it goes into that category for me where it's like th- this this um, turmoil that they're having in their relationship and then in like a, like comedies or romantic comedies especially where like someone breaks up or whatever and you're just like, okay, I'm literally just looking at my watch waiting until Well, yeah, done. you know that they're like they're going to get over it. And I think that's yeah. that's your so issue with it. That that's my issue. It's just like such a trope that it's annoying. I I do like that they they do patch it up pretty quickly, but like the jealousy with uh Hermione is also pretty annoying to me. And then the who's jealous about Hermione? Like Ron is really jealous about how she's on a date with um oh, Victor. Oh yeah. Um, and then we haven't even gotten to Hermione's role yet. Yeah, and I I just think I I don't know because I agree with you. Like we can't just have uh, eight movies where they're like hunky dory friends. And we've had tension with Hermione a little bit, but it is kind of like okay, what are we gonna like? How how are we gonna make this interesting? But um, I just don't know. I don't think that was the way to do it. Okay. I, I'm sure there's another way. I don't know what it is off the top of my head, but that's that's what I'd say. And and one thing I do want to throw out as well is we have Philosopher's Stone. We have a, like a kid adventure movie, mm-hmm. like Indiana Jonesy. Mm-hmm. Then we have Chamber of Secrets, which kind of leans on like noir. Mm-hmm. And then we have Azkaban, which is much more just like straight fantasy, yeah. I would say. And then this movie is like adventure. Action. But teenage drama. Yeah. And I think that's where this movie doesn't connect with me. Not to say that teenage drama can't be good. I mean, or or like middle school drama. I liked eighth, eighth grade, the movie. That movie was amazing. So, I mean, it's not like... But it's just like there's a disconnect where it's like this movie isn't well, it's like, that interesting. I can't really read young adult. Wise. I can't really read young adult anymore because I don't enjoy it. Be- like yeah. for the exact reason that you're describing it. I've been through it and I don't. I'm not interested in that. Going yeah. through it again. Yeah. There, but there are people our age who love young adult, and that's great because there's some like incredible young adult, right? Stories, right? So it, I think it kind of comes down to preference on this one. 
Okay, I think I, that's a fair that's a yeah, fair argument because I don't presenting. think anything's poorly written for the book. Yeah, movie. I th- and let's get into Hermione a little bit. Yes, yes, let's do it. She is either just mad or scared in this movie, and very like hysterical. Yeah, it there actually, is no in between. I would say it. It actually feels like um, I don't know how the books are. Yeah, um, but it feels like a a, a man wrote her character, not a woman. It's in this movie. Yeah, it's weird. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I'm I'm not and trying I can't, to like I can't remember the book. Be too I can't remember about that, that specific part about a book, about the book. Mm. So I can't speak to that. I will say though, they did do the thing, um, because you had mentioned she gets into like animal rights, mm-hmm. right? Um and in this movie, when uh, Mad Eye Moody's like controlling the spider, she's the one who speaks up and I was like, Oh, that's cool. Yeah. That's a little like, like touching on that. Yeah, yeah. That's that was that sparked in my head i remembered and i am a little bit more into the harry potter (laughs) but yeah it's 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 like i think it's not very well written for the movie like i said can't really speak to the book because i can't totally remember i do think at the same time she is also a 14 year old girl experiencing hormones yeah so and i don't think that that's that's not always the excuse you that's really not okay for a lot of it i think that she is way too hot-headed through most of the movie yeah. When she doesn't need to be. And I think that comes down to writing. Like that's how she was directed. Yeah. Not necessarily that was her choice or anything. Um, so yeah, it, it's interesting. I think that she does have some really good moments. Like mm-hmm. when she's at the Yule ball and she's like having a really good time with Victor Crumb, all of the emotions that she goes through with that, I think are really well done. How excited yeah, yeah. she looks and then how immediately how she's devastated. Yeah. Because because of Ron's reaction to it. So I think there are like good moments of it. I just think there's a lot more of her just like yelling at people because she's mad. Right. right. And it's like, we don't have to do this, though. And yeah. I think it might it might come down a little bit to preference, maybe. I don't know. Yeah. I don't want to yeah. be too black and white about it. I think that's a great point. Um, as far as like the look of this movie, you already touched on like the um, dynamics of the actual like uh-huh. color and stuff. Um, just to point out, I think we have, um, much more in the school of Chris Columbus in terms of like the simplicity of the filming, a lot less dynamic camera movements. So it does make Azkaban even look like even more of an outlier. Yeah. Um, just wanted to point that out. And I would say the next movies too. The next movies look dang good. Okay, cool. I don't remember them. So dark visually. Dark. (laughs) Um, okay, so to kind of get back into the story a little bit. Well, then uh, here's what I would say. Okay. Let's do Mad-Eye Moody, then we can hit the trials, and That's we're at the do. end. That's what I was going to so do. So hit me. shut it. Um, yeah, so Mad-Eye Moody. You didn't, did you talk about him? At any point? No, on the actors. Oh, I no, don't, I didn't. You didn't bring him <laughs> up. <laughs> Let me look him up. Talk, um, this, talk is, about him. this is Donald Gleason's dad, if you oh, are yeah. aware of people. Oh, yeah. He's um, in Harry Potter. He, his first name, though, uh, is... Uh, I just look up Gleason and you'll find it. Brendan. Is it Brendan or Brandon? Brendan. Brendan. Brendan Gleason, who is uh, not that long ago, Bill Hodges in Mr. Mercedes. Don't know if that show has done well or not. My parents seem to like it. We Mm -hmm. need to watch it. It's a Stephen King adaption. 
so freaking good. And I think he is so well casted, even though I haven't seen it. <laughs> um, he is also in the Ballad of Buster Scruggs, Paddington 2. Oh, is he oh, in Paddington yeah. 2? He's so good in Paddington 2. He is 2. in this movie called Calvary that has a really good cover about him being a priest. A, a yeah. priest. That yeah. movie looks good. Have yeah. you seen anything about that movie? Uh, I re- I think I watched a trailer and I, it was kind of like a movie I wanted to see and then I, I just slipped through the cracks. Oh. Which, you know what? Um, if Lauren hasn't seen Little Women, we could see Little Women tonight. We get, She has, but she said she would see it again. Okay. So we can ask. But we also don't have to go to the movies tonight. But I'm, re- I'm ready to pull the Little Women trigger. He's an editor tomorrow, I guess. Now Whoa. we really need to see that movie. I, know. I can't believe we haven't seen it. I know. Um, Got our boy Tom. He's in The Raven, Safe House, The Cup, Albert Noms, The Guard. He's in In Bruges, in which Bruges. you talked about earlier. Yes. Right there. Uh, he's in Beowulf, the game. <laughs> he's also <laughs> in Beowulf. <laughs> um, Good presentation, Jordan. He's also in Troy. But is that the Brad Pitt one? Yep. That, oh, yeah. That's Brad Pitt. Is right there any there. other? He's in Cold Mountain, which Jack White's also in that movie. I just always like to remember that. I guess he's in Gangs of New York. I really need to rewatch that movie. That makes sense. I've only seen it once. I know. I need to watch it again because I did not like it. I like... But I, I, I want to like it. It's I liked Scorsese. it, but I was just like, that's, I liked it, period. Yeah. That's how I feel about it. Well, it, it was in that category of movie where it had been talked up to me so much that I was like, okay, this is going to be like a life-changing movie. And then I see Cameron Diaz and I'm like, oh, this is a little bit tough. Of all people <laughs> to have me watch that movie, my mom. Interesting, yeah. I don't know why. But Maybe Dan- because Daniel Cameron Day Diaz Lewis, was in it. Daniel Day-Lewis has a powerhouse performance. Yeah, so there's great. no denying that. Oh, he's an AI he is he's lord oh, johnson yes, yes. johnson he is mad eye moody in that movie basically he's the guy that like um owns the the moon blimp that like captures the child at the beginning of the movie and he don't remember at that he at runs all. he runs the um robot like circus area where the robots fight whoa i don't remember that yeah, and, and i think he has like a prosthetic like eye cool. or a prosthetic ear or something weird like that he's also in mission impossible 2 he is don't remember that I, okay i think he's like a reporting like like report to me uh, uh, tom too bad he's not the not great one okay i think we covered brendan yeah let's we get to mad eye moody okay so mad eye moody is the new defense against the dark arts i, I do want to tell arts the defense against the dark arts that's what it's called yeah am i having a brain fart no no you're right okay you're having a brain art um, I, I do want to point out to the listener cause you don't get to see this. Um, Jordan was just staring at her phone for Brendan Gleason and I think she got kind of stuck like a record and that's why I had to kind of, <laughs> cause you were just staring and you weren't saying anything <laughs> and you weren't moving your thumbs either. I think you were just like, forgot just, what you were doing. Just talking. Happens to the best of us. Yeah. So he shows up. He's a friend of Dumbledore's. Well, yeah. He's also the new defense against our dark arts yeah. teacher. Yeah. Um, he is very in your face, hostile, but you find out quickly that he is a pastor, so he's he's kind of messed up yeah. from all the things he's seen. And, and he's all the doing a lot, but I'm liking it. It's I it's am fun into stuff. It. And he's drinking out of a flask a lot. Yeah. And he's got a cool eye and he's got a fake leg. And he's got this cool staff that stays propped up when he's not near it. Mm-hmm. Have you noticed that? That's a cool touch. That they do. I actually didn't notice that. It stays propped up. I can't tell if it's magic. I just assume it's magic or if it's him sticking it into the ground. I'm choosing magic. Um, 
Okay, so do you want to go to the first class that he teaches? Because that's pretty important. Yeah, yeah. So that class, we learned the three unforgivable curses, the Cruciatus curse, the Imperial curse, the uh, killing curse. Ten points for Hufflepuff. You got it. Thanks. Um, and as as we see, he uses the he um, demonstrates the Cruciatus curse on uh, in front of Neville. Mm-hmm. And that is a, a big, big uh, thing because you find out later that David Tennant, David Tennant's character tortured Neville's parents so terribly with the Cruciatus curse, he drove them insane. Wait, do they clarify that in the movie? Or they is do that in the movie. They okay, the movie. so that kind of, because you said it and it kind of went over my head. That They mentioned that. They mentioned that in the movie. I just don't remember them saying it in the no, movie. No, because remember the flashback scene and he like gets up and they're like, I, I think they say using the Cruciatus curse on something, something long bottom. Oh, I think oh, is what yeah, they yeah, say. Yeah. Okay. Um, and then I know in the books, his parents were tort. like maybe in the movie they said they were killed, but in yeah. the book they are still alive, but they're in, in the insane asylum because they're gone. They're, they're like gone pretty oh, much. That's, sad. that's why he's raised by his grandma. Sad. Um, so that was such a crazy moment. I think that Matthew Lewis does well. Wait. So, okay. Hang on. You told me Neville is is he born on the same day as Harry? Huh? And so are is this implying that um uh he who shall not be named knew about both and so he sent David Tennant to take care of Neville's parents and then he went to take care of Harry Potter. I don't know specifically if that's what he did, uh-huh. but he he consciously chose Harry to pursue Harry. Okay. Which they get into in the next movie heavily. Okay. And even okay. more heavily in the books. And whatever they don't cover in the movie, we will cover on the podcast, story wise. But, but, uh, so it's, it's not like a Herod thing where he's like, kill all the firstborns. Like this guy was born no, on this day. Because the fifth movie, they find out that there was a prophecy that was told that a child born on the 31st day of January, and I'm paraphrasing, will yeah. usurp your power. Or, you know, or will, like, stop you. So the implication is that he sent David to take care of this one that was born on that same day as well. Yeah, yeah. That is pretty freaking cool. Mm -hmm. I like that. And that makes me excited about stories. Yeah, I know, Micah. That is good. Start listening. That is cool. Okay, keep going. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And then, of course, as I've already said, Avada Kedavra, the killing curse, which we saw at the beginning of the movie, you always know that someone's using it because of a green flash. Oh, okay. That's why it's very important at the end of this movie when he should not be named and Harry are dueling off. His is green. Uh, he should not be named and Harry's is red because Harry oh. is always trying to use the Expelliarmus curse or charm, which would just get his wand to go away. Like would, would yeah. throw his wand away. He's never like doing a killing blow. Yeah. Because he's the good guy. Cool. When okay. I didn't know The other guy's that. doing cool. the the bad thing. Yeah. Um. So, let's fast track to the first. Okay, first challenge. Track. Yeah. Uh, Mad-Eye Moody lets him know it's dragons. There's a bunch of stuff with and like Hagrid. Hagrid and his his uh, giant that he's in love with now. So cute. I love cute, it. Cute. Fun. Um, but we don't have time to You get to a mention again of, of Ron's brother, Bill, not Bill, Charlie, who works with dragons in Romania. He brought the dragons over. Just a fun little nugget. Yeah. Um, and then we get into the trial. Okay, the other people pass and it doesn't even show us them because they're... As they said in the... Oh, we didn't even look up the Rita Skeeter lady. She's in Sleepy Hollow. 
Yes, uh, she's the newspaper person, the Daily Prophet, and she's pretty fun. She's like a she a plays a Helena Bonham, Bonham Carter type. Yeah, and I I'm I'm cool with what she does. Yeah, um, there's a couple of parts where you're like, okay, settle down. Though. Yeah, but I think for the most part it works. Um, then they have this huge set mm-hmm. where Harry fights the dragon, and that's a set. Okay, they actually built that set with the rocks and stuff. And cool. while we were sitting there watching it, I was like, this looks amazing. Yeah. And when he fights the dragon to get that egg, the dragon effects look, they still hold up today. Yeah, they're good. This, and this, is this when, scene is like the best scene in the movie. And that's when it's you and I were so like, cool. with this movie, it looks the worst in terms of effect. And I would say cinematography. Uh, however, whoa, <laughs> shots fired. Roger Pratt. Much said that already. Um, but we we did make the note of when whatever they did spend their time on, it looks dang good. Yeah, because like this whole sequence looks incredible, and then all the Voldemort stuff. At the, he who shall not be named. Yeah, stuff at the end looks really good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So the stuff that matters looks really good. Um, so and, and I I like that moment when he calls his um because because he talks to Mad Eye Moody and he's like, hey. Um, I, I can't fly, but that's my strong suit. And he's like, well, you you have a wand. Mm-hmm. And you're like, okay. And then they don't show yeah. anything. And then well, when he's the, there, he calls his firebolt. And like the cool thing with, with Wa- this uh, tri, tri-wizard thing, it's like basically you're just trying to survive Yeah. to, to finish this. And there, that's about it. Like there aren't really rules. You know yeah. what I mean? So it's like, sure, he can't enter. Like say like he can only enter with his wand. After that, he can do anything he wants. Yeah, which That's is cool. The whole, th- all of them are cool because they are playing to everyone's strengths, and mm-hmm. they're all like, like vague riddles. Yeah, of trying to like use your strengths for it. So yeah, so he gets his firebolt, he gets the egg, dragon goes bye bye. Yeah, um, cool sequence. Takes him a while in the movie to find out what what the egg is. The whole thing is this tri wizard cup is going on the entire school year. This isn't for yeah. a week. This is the Very entire cool. school we're, year. So, like, after he gets the egg, weeks later, we we have we cover stuff in the like story stuff, and he has still not figured it out. Then he figures it out. We're not going to get into the specifics. No, he figures but it out. But one thing I want to say is that that is cool, and it goes against the like teenage drama stereotype. Is Cedric Diggory um, originally is like making fun of Harry, and then Harry's like he warns him about the dragons, and then from then on, Cedric is like helps him out and stuff Mm. and they there's no like like at the end of the movie i couldn't remember what happened and when he stopped um and helped cedric i kind of thought he was gonna like push him down and run to the goblet but he's just like okay let's go and you grab it first because you got it he's just like a good guy yeah and i think yeah he he's a good guy and i think like i think they both come to this realization of like yeah they want glory but they both represent hogwarts yeah so they you want hogwarts to win you know what I mean? Because these schools are competing, representing their other schools as well. Um, yeah, so he figures out what the egg is. He needs to hold his breath underwater for an hour to retrieve something that's been taken from him. And Neville helps him, which Neville is cool. Helps, which is great. Neville is super into herbology. He gives him gillyweed to eat, gives him these cool gills and yeah, fins. Yeah, like that. Very and, goofy thing where he flies up in the air and is like, yahoo! Yeah, pretty weird, but it's um, going to happen. And, you know, he does this challenge. He helps with another Not, not only does he get Ron back, he um, gets Fleur's sister back. Yeah, because they've been tied at the bottom. finish hers, which means her sister would have stayed down there. And I'm, I am just, uh, I know that you were like, Micah, you know, but it's just kind of crazy that you're like, wow, they just let this happen at the school. These kids. Uh, they are, say people have died for this. 
Yeah, and you're like, wow, their innocent by- bystander friends might die because this school sucks. And the Triwizard stuff cool. sucks, but it looks cool and it, it provides stakes. So I understand yeah, so story-wise. Throw, throw that opinion away. But yeah, I mean, anyway. What are you going to do? What, you're going to put kids in danger. What are you going to do? You're going to not put the kids in danger? <laughs> I mean, come on. It's a movie. <laughs> oh, my own. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so they do trial two, and it goes well, and then they go to trial three, well, and it's the maze. wait, wait. Okay. Important part about to happen. So Harry not only does well, he gets second place because of his uh, heroic achievements. Oh, yeah. And then Barty oh, yeah. Crouch, Hitler mustache guy, uh, is congratulating Harry, and Maddie comes up to him, and he has some weird tics that he does, and Barty is like... I know this person. Like he gives them that look of, I know you. And then pretty much the next scene later, they find Barty Crouch dead. And, uh, Harry immediately goes to Dumbledore where the minister, where Dumbledore is trying to get the, the match, uh, what is it? What is the word? Canceled. But the minister is like, I will not let this happen. This is too embarrassing if we cancel it. Yeah. So, Harry shows up and they're like, Dumbledore's like, wait here, Harry, I'll be back with you. So Harry's in Dumbledore's office. He finds his pensieve and he falls into a memory. And the memory is a trial where Igor Karkarov, who is the headmaster <laughs> of Durmstrang, oh, and uh, is on trial <laughs> for being a Death Eater. And he has spent time in, in Azkaban. I almost yeah. said Alcatraz. Yes. he. Well, he did do he a both, stint in Alcatraz. Because yeah. <laughs> that does exist so in this So pretty much they're like, give us names and we will let you out. And um, he starts giving some names. They're not really working. And then he finally says, Barty Crouch. And who was questioning him? But Barty Crouch, Hitler mustache guy. But he doesn't just mean Barty Crouch. He says Barty Crouch Jr. And then the camera zooms up to David Tennant getting up to leave. And it's him who's Barty Crouch Jr. It's just never been said yet, mm-hmm. I think. Um, and he is arrested. Barty Crouch arrests and convicts his own son. Oh, Wow. And you see the little tick that he does with poking his tongue out of his mouth. Yes. Um, and you're kind of like, huh, what's going on here? This is super weird. And then Dumbledore is, he, he Harry comes back out of the memory and, and Dumbledore is like explaining the pensive, explaining memories, yeah, explaining letting things go. And I like that in this movie, Dumbledore is not really on top. I mean, he's not really on top of anything in any of the movies, but he like is kind he? of winkingly like knows what's going on. And in this movie, he's like confused and kind of he's kind of like upset about it. And, and I yeah, and it's I, all like, starts it's with, cool. with Harry being chosen. Yeah. Because I mean, he, yeah, he like he, breaks in and like shakes him. Yeah. Yeah. The one person he's supposed to protect the most. Yeah. Um, and I think it's soon after that, I believe, um, Harry finds Karkarov and Snape together and Karkarov is showing him his Death Eater tattoo. Yeah. And he leaves and Snape accuses Harry of stealing po- stuff to make Polyjuice Potion with. Mm-hmm. So again, there's another mention of Polyjuice Potion yeah. at one point. Um, and then we can go to the next trial. Okay, so last trial, um, there's been a fun cannonball bit with the groundskeeper Willie Arguless from Filch. The Simpsons. Um, and he keep, who? What? Who? Groundskeeper Willie from The Simpsons. Okay. And he keeps on, every time they're about to start the trial, Dumbledore's like announcing, and he'll be like, three, two, or he'll just say like, and then the cannonball will go off, and it just goes off every <laughs> yeah, time. Yeah, that's great. So they go into the maze. And it's going, dun, 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 dun. Dun 
Yeah, Jordan was singing along to the band that plays outside of the maze, and I couldn't I couldn't believe it. I really couldn't mad. believe it. Um, so they do the maze, and uh, it's ma- driving them all crazy and all that stuff. And then basically they get to the Goblet of Fire, him and Cedric Diggory, and he, they're oh, like, let's grab fine. it together. Okay. Yeah. They grab it together, and they find out it's a port key. Takes which them to is a graveyard. A nice twist that it's a port key. Yes. And who do we find at the graveyard? But Mr. Peter Pettigrew. And he pops out. They kind of subdue Harry. And then they do like a witch's cauldron. Dude, dude, you're skipping over a bit. Yeah, because I want to eat. No, I'm hungry. No. Peter Pettigrew comes out and they're both like, huh? And he's holding something. And the something says, kill the bystander. And Peter Pettigrew kills. Oh, Peter, I thought, I thought kills, he who shall not be named did that. No, because he can't, he doesn't want or anything. So Peter okay. Pettigrew killed. Because I thought he did that after he he was created, and then he shoots him, like, first thing. He does kill him, though, because of later on. Yeah, it's not Peter Pettigrew. That's why I skipped it, because it didn't happen. Ha-ha! <laughs> and I have now won 10 points to Gryffindor. Uh, so anyway... I just felt like it was really quick. They make, they make the... They basically do a witch's cauldron, and he drops the little baby, he who shall not be named, into the cauldron... And it's really gross looking. I think he does kill him, but it, he uses Voldemort's wand. I don't think so. I'm gonna need to look this back up because I don't get it. Um, yeah. Anyway, go ahead. Go ahead. And then, and then they they tear they they rip open Harry, and there's blood everywhere, and he puts it into the cauldron, and and then who shows up? But the one and only, the star of the English patient, the star of the <laughs> Grand Budapest Hotel himself. Ray Schindler's Fiennes. List, right? No, that is Liam Neeson. And another guy that looks like Ray Fiennes. Yes. Oh, I didn't even look up you Ray didn't. Fiennes. We can do it next episode. I know, I just want to look up that other guy in Schindler's List now. Um, And he already, you're just like, yes, he is doing all the right acting choices. The makeup's super cool. His nose is flat, Um, which I'm not sure how they Ray do Fiennes that. Ray Fiennes is in Schindler's List. Hello. Oh, he is? Thank you. And the other guy that looks like him is... Just keep talking. Okay. Anyway, he shall not be named. All his acting choices are great. He's not going too maniacal, mm-hmm. but he's still like very commanding. But he's got kind of a um kind of like a theatery energy to him where he's kind of a, a little frenetic, and I like that. Um and it's the showdown. You've been waiting, and this is this is why I think this You've been movie, waiting, but you didn't think it would happen this soon. Yeah, I like because it's been three movies of him. Well, I guess Azkaban, it's not really about he who shall not be named But there's, too much. they're starting to feel very episodic. Yeah, and then this one's like, oh, whoa, okay, so he's Remember? here. This yeah. is crazy. Um, so I like that. I like that story element of it. Um, you know, there's some nice monologuing, and then they battle off with their wands. Uh, I love the visuals of the wands and how it like has like a lava-looking effect where they're that. like it sparking so cool. off. It looks so cool. Do you want to cool. know why his parents appeared? Uh, sure. Okay. So when that's happening, there's a word for it. Don't remember the word. And patreon.com slash Michael McCaw. That's the word. Um, so please sign up. The spirits come out of the wand that has recently killed people. And they're, and I'm explaining it very poorly, but there's a whole word for this. So the last people that Vold, uh, he should not be named killed were Cedric, the old man from the beginning of the movie and uh-huh. Harry's parents. Okay. And that's why they show up. That's Ugh. that's kind of like a 
like a too much for me. Really? I think it's cool. It, it's just kind of like a... His parents literally give him the strength to go on. No, no, no. I get that. But I mean, I don't know. I, I, I guess it's explaining... I, I guess if I remember the word, maybe you like it. No, no, no. I, I think that for me, that's like kind of like defining something that doesn't need to be defined. Not not your fault, but like just like JK. And But I understand why she did it. But it's kind of like, like there's a lot of stuff like that in Star Wars where people are like, well, actually, or Marvel even, where they're like, actually, it's because of this and this and this. And I'm like, I don't really care. It's just how the story goes. I just took no, it at that word, you know. You um, but I wasn't trying just to make kidding. you feel bad. I'm just trying to talk about that yeah. element of the movie. Um, and then Harry's good to go. He well, gets back. I, I, I like to say love Ray finds wand usage. Like yeah. how he, he still uses one hand, but he's using his other hand and he's just very theatrical about the whole thing. I love that. If yeah. You he's great. Think about it, how this was shot before any effects and how weird it looks <laughs> yeah. for two people to point sticks at each other and scream. I think that he is doing a very believable. They both pointing, are. Oh no, both are. But I'm just I'm giving it to Ray Fiennes on this one. Oh yeah, a really believable pointing a stick at someone and screaming acting <laughs> moment. <laughs> and then um, uh, they get back and they explain everything, of course. And well, then there's that great you, moment he where he brings Cedric back. Did you say that? Yeah, he, well, I was gonna say actually, there's a great moment where he brings Cedric back and everyone is like so distraught about it. It is so heavy, and that hit pretty hard for me. Me too. Um. Because, you know, that's sad. Yeah. That's sad. I mean, this is, you know, this is supposed to be a happy, I mean, it's stressful, but it's supposed to be like a celebrated event. a child died. And they both come back and they're both, you know, like Harry has the goblet and his dad's just like, oh, my boy's back. Like, I'm so proud of him. Yeah, everyone's so excited. And then they realize what's actually happening. Mm -hmm. Um, And then we find out that Mad-Eye Moody was actually um, David Tennant. Uh-huh. Using the polyjuice potion, that's what he was drinking. And then Mad-Eye Moody's making still sure, there. He was making sure that Harry was getting through each round yeah. so that he could get to the graveyard. Yeah, which is cool. Yeah. Um, I know, I, I think that there is a... No, no, never mind, never mind. Uh, but then Mad-Eye Moody is there, and is he like the defense against the arts teacher in the next movie? I don't think so. Ugh, they just no, can't land it's a teacher not, it's, for it's that. Umbridge. Um, oh, Umbridge is in the next one! Ooh, ooh. But I think is is done well in the story writing um, because you have a pretty huge climax, huge twist. He should not be named as back. Yeah. That's huge. So once they're once Harry comes back, you're like, oh, now we have to sit in this. But the movie still got like fifteen to twenty more minutes, uh-huh. and it doesn't feel that long to me. I don't think it was that. I think it was like seven or eight minutes. I mean, it are was you sure fast. the Mad Eye Moody, Moody seems a little long? It's like like they they spend a good amount of time doing it yeah so that like sometimes i feel like if the story's not written super well that would feel tacked on boring yeah boring, it would just yeah. be like oh can we just get to this movie please but i don't yeah. feel that way i don't either and then we even have a moment where dumbledore is talking to harry again which even that doesn't feel it feels like you have to tie that bow you gotta you gotta you can't like end the movie without if you're wrapping a present are you having not that gonna moment. put a bow on it so he he um you know tells harry i'm sorry that this happened to you pretty yeah. much but you you will always have friends pretty much yeah and then even then you have to wrap up the like ron hermione and harry bow and i think it's a really great hermione has a really great moment where she was like so is everything gonna change and harry just mm-hmm. says yes and then the movie ends yep and that's the end of the movie as you just said and that's the end of our podcast as i just said right yeah
I think you're done talking about it. I just, I had to go to the bathroom really bad. Whatever. See you next week, guys. <laughs> Are you serious? Did you already pause it? No. <laughs> oh my gosh. Okay, fine. Thanks for listening. <laughs>